The Michael Duke Show. I have two guns, one for each of you. Firearms Friday. As Thomas Jefferson stated, it is the right and duty of the people to be at all times armed. To be at all times armed. Say hello to my new friend! I say that the Second Amendment is, in order of importance, the First Amendment. The right to keep and bear arms is the one right that allows rights to exist at all. The right to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Not be infringed. Firearms. From my cold, dead hands. Friday. Where's my rifle? Where's my gun? This is for the Firearms Friday. Oh, baby. Firearms Friday. Your chance to sound off on issues of a to a nature Right here on the big radio program. Thank you for coming in and joining us. It is, oh man, that one day of the week that we've been waiting for all week long. Oh man, can you believe it? Can we, I be mean, at Friday already? How did we? How did we get here? How did we get here so fast? Oh, here we are, jumping through the hoops, doing what we need to do best. Um, talking about uh, guns, firearms, safety, tap, uh, tips, tricks, tactics, firearms, law, whatever it is. If it's gun-related today, boy, howdy, are we going to dive into it. Um, now, no guests today. Um, I thought, I keep, I always forget, especially when the uh, first of the month, anyway. Uh, Chris Chang will be joining us next weekend on the program. Uh, he will be joining us on the second Friday of the month. So uh, Chris Chang will be with us next week to discuss more firearms goodness and stories uh, from the great state of California. He'll be coming in and giving us his thoughts on things next weekend. Um, and So today it's just going to be me and you. And I got a whole bunch of stories to dive into and everything else. But one of the things that I love about Firearms Friday, and quite honestly, one of the reasons why I started uh, doing this show specifically, this this specialty, you know, the Friday-only edition of the show, was because I wanted to, well, I guess I, I guess the one way to put it is to spread the gospel of the firearm. I, you know, I, I wanted more people to be involved in the gun culture. And the problem was, of course, is that there is a lot, <clears throat> there's a lot of misinformation out there about firearms. There's a lot of misinformation about gun laws and gun rights. And uh, all you have to do is turn your TV on or pick up your, pick up your newspaper uh, and find out exactly what uh, other people are putting out there. And some of the, again, the misinformation and just, well, sometimes it's outright lies. They just, you know, either intentional or unintentional. They just, they don't know what they're writing about. They don't know the subject. They don't understand it. And so it becomes speculation masked as fact and reporting. And so that was kind of the whole point behind what we were doing here on the program was, you know, trying to, again, demystify this whole this whole process. And so here we are. Um I guess 15 years later, um, uh, running, uh, I don't know, I think we've been running Firearms Friday for close to 15 years at this point. Uh, it may not be the most populous 
um, or the most popular segment on the show. But uh, I'll tell you, when I'm out and about in the world and people run into me uh, here in the state of Alaska, I will tell you that um, probably four out of five times somebody says, I really love that Firearms Friday you do. So it's apparently making an impact in some way, shape, or form. Now, I'm not... I'm not naive enough to believe that just because we demystified it or we changed, you know, that this show is in no way, shape or form meant to target specifically to people who are anti-gun. All right. If you are vehemently anti-gun, you probably already turn the show off and move somewhere else. But occasionally, just occasionally, things can happen. Miracles can occur. Um, I still remember it must have been... um, it must have been about five years ago. Um, I was doing the show, uh, and I was in. I was on the station in Anchorage, and I got a call. Um, I had a producer at that point. I remember the producer telling me during the break that I had a call uh, from a woman who had been a staunch gun control advocate, but had been staying with her brother. They'd been up visiting from New York State. And uh, she and her husband had traveled to Alaska to visit Alaska, and they'd been staying with her husband for about a month over the summer. And uh, they had been listening to Firearms Friday. Now, in the middle of all that as well, her brother, who was very pro-gun, had been coaxing her to, by the second or third week, had coaxed her to go to the gun range and, um, and, and taken her and her husband out to the gun range. And I remember she called and said, uh, you know, before she'd taken this trip, she was... Um, you know, she was, she believed in all the, she believed in all the, the, the hype that was out there, all the anti-gun sentiment, you know, that, oh, we would just be safer and only, you know, you don't need a gun to protect yourself and criminals and blah, 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 and everything else. And then she, but the, but she said, this is a conversion on air, man. She basically said what she gets back, she and her husband are going to, they'd already been looking on the internet at joining a local rifle and pistol club, and they were going to be purchasing firearms for them to use both for practice and for self-defense. And um, it um, probably one of the most gratifying moments that I've ever experienced on a Firearms Friday. Now, that's one time in 15 years that there's been a conversion. This show is really directed more towards not towards the anti crowd who pretty much made up their mind. I mean, you, you can see this in a lot of the discussion pretty much made up their mind. Um, but this is really targeted to the folks um, who are mm, ambivalent or, you know, they're not pro-gun, they're not anti-gun, they're kind of in the middle, uh, or maybe what we like to call gun curious, you know, like they're like, mm, I, I'm interested in that, but, you know, so that's what, that's what the show is really all about and trying to, tar- trying to inject some common sense and some facts into the conversation around firearms and so we've got a lot of stories that we are going to be uh, that we're going to be jumping into on this and talking about uh, what's going on uh, around the country, and uh, it should be a it should be an interesting discussion. We're going to start off with a discussion about you know the antis and some of the arguments that they make and why they're so ridiculous. We're going to do that, but I'm also going to open up the phone lines. Like I said, my, I, I guess I started this whole rambling uh, rant here because I wanted to let you know that the phone lines are going to be open today and we're going to open them up right now. The Pivotel call in lines at 433-3150 powered by our friends at Pivotel and Satellite West. 
and they are going to uh, be available. And if you want to sound off and talk about anything that's related to firearms, we'd love to hear from you. Um, it's gun Q&A, questions and answers all day. So if you have questions about firearms, you have just, you don't want to discuss something, we're here. And there's no such thing as a dumb gun question because, again, we're trying to demystify the firearm. Uh, why I believe that it is, uh, as old Chuck Heston said, in order of importance, the Second Amendment is actually the First Amendment. It's the one rights that allows all the other rights to exist at all. So we're going to dive into that. Um, I actually had one call that called in like right before, I think before we even threw the theme music on this morning, uh, there was a call that called in. Uh, and so I guess we'll, since we have the call and I don't want to make them wait any longer, we'll start off there before I get into my stories, uh, for this morning. So let's, uh, let's start with that. Shall we? Uh, we'll jump over to the phone lines right now again at 433-3150. From Pivotel, let's go over here and see what you guys have to say. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Buenos dias, Michael. Como esta, mi amigo? This is Brady from Las Vegas. Hello, Brady. What uh, is on your mind on this Firearms Friday? My favorite day of the week calling you, Mike. Um, The thing is, I wanted to bring up now that bullets and ammunition are, are, are so expensive, uh, besides the air rifles now, like the 22, when you can shoot for about two cents around or whatever, uh, the rimfire bullet, the gun that I like is the Ruger 1022, but they have the charger model. Have you ever shot that one? The charger model of the 1022, I have not. I've shot a lot of 1022. Uh, like you, it's probably what my favorite uh, 22 caliber rifle, uh, but I have not seen the charger model of it. What what is that? The charger is like a, it's like a bull pup. It looks almost like a AR platform. It's super small. It's about half the size. They got tons of accessories that you can put on to make them like super handy in a combat situation. Also, like I think it's called the bolt, the 22 bolt bullets. They're super powerful. So you're basically shooting an AR platform, a 22, just like a 223. The 22 is just a little bit smaller, but. In, in today's world where you have to only get bullets that are on the shelves at Walmart, your 22s are only the few ones that are even there, and they're gone in about two hours after they arrive. So uh, you either have to get an air rifle. Like I was telling you, the Hot Sony is really good. There's several other ones now that are about 300 bucks, But also you need to pick up a Ruger charger for about 350 bucks. Get yourself two bx 25 side you know and tape them together side by side magazine they hold 25 rounds in each tape them together one upside down so you can flip them quick and you just got yourself a survival rifle which we're going to be needing here in the future uh yeah i mean the 22 cartridge is is not a bad cartridge and and while you're right the caliber is uh is close to the 223 as far as the size I mean, it is the power difference is immense. It's, I mean, it's a similar caliber, but the power difference is tremendously. But for for a survival rifle, for sniping small game, or uh, uh, for uh, you know, for any kind of uh, light game hunting and things like that, uh, it is a, a you know a nice lightweight rifle. Uh, bullpups. I'm actually kind of a fan of bullpups. I don't. Uh, uh, there's been a few out there that have been made over the years. They're they're nice because they. Um, are more compact, uh, and if the idea is executed well, it uh, it can be uh, it can be a, a, a make the the firearm a lot nicer to carry around. 
um, and uh, and more expedient to use in and out of a vehicle and things like that. Uh, so I'll have to look into this. The Ruger Charger. Um, I see that there's some bullpup kits for 1022s. I don't see the Charger, but I'll have to do some. I'll have to do some research. Yeah, on look it. up. Look up the Ruger Charger and then accessories. There's a there's a million, and then get yourself a beautiful red dot scope and put right on top. Man, you are set up. You can put that gun in your backpack. So when yeah. you're going out hiking or whatever. It's the most versatile backpack gun out on the market. Yeah, there's a couple different ways you can do that that make it very uh, convenient um, for that. Um, I, and there's a couple different schools of thoughts uh, schools of thought on that. Um, a bullpup for a 22 again would be good, mostly for game. Um, it's not a fantastic defensive weapon because again, it doesn't have the stopping power of either. Uh, well, definitely not of a centerfire rifle cartridge, and even that, even not uh, of most pistol cartridges. I, for one, am a fan of carbine kits for um, for pistols. Um, I think that that is a good solution, a good medium grade solution for doing things like that. Uh, I have a couple carbine kits uh, that I've used over the years uh, for uh, one for my forty five that uh, you know gives you that sixteen inch barrel. It gives you the the grip and the stock and everything else you need, and it converts it down into that. And that is a, I mean, that's a good medium because you can put it all in your backpack, like you said. And uh, in just a moment or two, you can have a firearm that you could use defensively. You could use it to take down game. You could use it in a variety of scenarios. And um, I really like that as well. So there's a couple different ways to do that. But I do love a 1022. One, one, one thing, Mike. Hmm? One thing, Mike, I wanted to say, since the, you're talking about the most versatile gun that you can get, a, a really cheap-priced gun that will work all the time, but for your handgun, the one that I've been recommending now for almost 25, 30 years, you can still get them on the market. You need to get one. It's the equivalent of a 357. It's a semi-automatic, but it's a 7.62 by 25 caliber pistol. It's called the CZ-52. You need to get one of them immediately. Everyone that listens to your show, you need to get a CZ-52 and a Charger Ruger. Two things you need always for you. I've shot the CZ before. Uh, I mean, they're very prevalent. They're very reliable. Um, the The commonality of the ammunition is, is my problem. I don't like to buy pistols yeah. or rifles that have an odd size to their... Uh, to their calibers. I don't shoot wildcat rounds. I don't shoot, uh, uh, you know, my stuff is all 45, 223, 762. And, uh, and, and that's pretty much, that's pretty much it. So I wouldn't want to have to buy a brand new caliber for that, but it is a good, I mean, those are good dependable pistols in the long run. So you're not wrong there, Brady. All right, my friend, well, thank you for sounding off this morning. I appreciate you coming on board. That takes us up to the break. So I guess we will, uh, continue ahead and, uh, start off with some commercials. And then when we come back, we've got some more stories and, uh, I want to see what, uh, I want to see what you guys have to say. Again, the phone lines are open for gun Q&A all day. 907-433-3150. The Michael Duke Show continues with Firearms Friday. If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. 
Okay. Um, okay. Uh, in the break right now. Um, let me go back up here to see what we go. Uh, Greg says he has a charger. I'll have to check it out. I had not, I'll be honest, I had not heard of that. Um, I've got several 1022s that I really enjoy, um, but I had not seen, I have a Ruger Charger Rimfire. It says it's a pistol. Is it classified as a pistol? Oh, okay. Okay, so it's it's not a bullpup rifle in the terms of like really a bullpup rifle. It's a pistol, uh, according to Ruger's website here, the Ruger twenty two Charger. Okay, so that's not technically a bullpup. That's just a pistol. It's cut down. It has no buttstock, uh, but it is a pistol. It's got a 10, 10 inch barrel. It looks like, and uh, and a pistol. I. Um, I I like the does it does it does it allow does it have a piss does it have a oh is it got a swing away no it doesn't have a swing away stock it's got a okay hmm all right well I anyway I will um I see that there's a lot of pictures here on places like Pew Pew and others that have got some uh that have got some pictures of it with a stock on it but uh, I think technically it's a uh, uh, it's a pistol. So if you put a stock on it, it's a short barrel rifle. So you got to make sure you be very careful with that. That's like what I said when I have my carbine kit for my pistol. I'm always very careful to put the barrel in first, uh, even when I'm alone, because you just never know. Because <laughs> if I put the shoulder stock on it before I put the grip before I put the barrel in it, technically it's a short barrel rifle. And I know that that's a stupid technicality, but that's just, that's the way it is. That's the way it is. That's the, that's the government for you. Wait, you've got all the parts here to make a, uh, to make a, a carbine. Uh, but if you put that stock on before you put the barrel in, you are in big trouble. Okay. All right. I'm sorry. Apparently the order of uh, thing is, uh, yeah, it's, uh, okay. Um, Mike, that is a battlefield wisdom. Shoot what everybody else is shooting. That way you can scavenge up all the tactical doodads and ammo. Don't give out all my secrets, sister. Don't give out all my secrets. Um, I mean, and and it wasn't just, it's not just battlefield. It's also, I came across, I mean, I, I came to that conclusion many years ago when uh, I had been considering purchasing some other uh, pistols, including a 40 Smith & Wesson and a 10 millimeter, and realized the general availability of that ammo at the time was a lot tougher. And I was like, well, I don't really need this other pistol in a different caliber. So <clears throat> anyway, years ago, I used to own a rimfire handgun that was as fun as a barrel of monkeys, Intratech Tech 22s that use Ruger 10-22 magazines. Oh, that would be fun. That would be fun. I mean, 22 is just fun to shoot. Um, if you want to do something really fancy, what you do is you get yourself a black dog or a, a you know a, one of the the drop in uh, one of the drop in uh, uh, kits for your AR. No, my kids never had more fun than when they were shooting uh, AR-15s uh, with 22 conversion kits in them uh, from Black Dog uh, Machine. Um, I've got a couple of those that just 
Uh, it was just amazing. It was just just amazing. A fun time to drop them in and just go to town with them. Um, because, uh, for, it was cheaper and it was a lot easier for the kids to shoot, but they still were able to, uh, you know, familiarize themselves with the, uh, with the mechanics of the firearm, you know, and, and the, and the platform. Anyway, it's, uh, it's fun stuff. Absolutely fun stuff. Um, okay. You guys can tell me all your 22 caliber stories. I love that. Caltech PMR 30 and CMR 30. Oh, the PMR-30 is such a cool pistol. I've never owned one, um, but I've seen them. I mean, I remember one time I was at a gun show. Uh, well, hey, that's the that's the bell that reminds me that we're about to rejoin. Damn, that thing is loud. I just didn't want to overrun. I'm trying to keep myself from overrunning myself, but damn, that thing is loud. Um, all right, we're going to jump back into it. Here we go. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. All right, welcome back to the program. It is Firearms Friday. Man, we got talking about uh, 22s uh, on the show, and I got uh, got a little uh, got a little sidetracked there. Uh, but we're ready to come back to it. I do have some stories, but since uh, again, it's gun Q and A all day, and somebody just called in here during the uh, at the end of the break. I didn't get a chance to figure out who it was. We'll start off over there and see what you guys have to say. Feel free to call us up this morning. You can also drop us an email. The email address is me at michaeldukeshow.com, M-E at michaeldukeshow.com. If you have a question that you would like to ask this morning, uh, you can do that as well. Um, I'd love to uh, love to see what uh, you have to say. You can also go to my website and use the contact form there as well if you'd like to. Meanwhile, let's uh, let's go to the phones and see what uh, what you guys have to say. How about that? Over here. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Oh, good morning, Mike. My name's Webb. I'm an anchor point. Good morning, Webb. What's on your mind, sir? Well, uh, Brady from uh, Nevada, he's a little incorrect in the 1022 Charger being a bullpup. It's a pistol version of the 1022 rifle. It just has a shorter barrel, comes without a stock or a pistol brace, which you could add a pistol brace to. And there are many configurations that you can do for it, but it's not a bullpup at all. Right. I And I discovered that during the break. Um, I was actually, I was able to actually finally Google the correct pictures. And you're right. It is a, uh, it is a pistol. Um, there are pictures on the internet of people putting shoulder stocks on it, but uh, I was, as I was pointing out, due to the proclivities of the federal government and their rules, because it has a barrel shorter than 16 inches, if you put a pistol, if you put a shoulder stock on it, you have now created an illegal short barrel rifle. So you've got to be very cautious of that kind of stuff. It is not a yeah, it is not a bullpup in the classical sense of the word. There are conversion kits I saw when I was googling it for for uh, doing it. So for folks who don't know, and Webb, I'm going to hold on to you here. Don't go anywhere, but. Uh, a bullpup, basically, most rifles. If you uh, if you have a regular rifle, the uh, the chamber, 
the mechanism uh, itself uh, is is usually in the middle of the rifle. If you're holding it up and looking at it by the side, the chamber itself is usually in the middle of the rifle. So the magazines and the ejection port and the charging handle are all in the middle of the rifle. A bullpup changes that configuration by moving the rifle, uh, the barrel, and the assembly back into the stock so now that the chamber and the magazine and everything else fits near the back end, near the butt end of the stock, and it shortens the overall length of the firearm, um, still allowing you to have a full 16-inch barrel, but because you've moved it back, you know, 12, 14 inches into the very butt end of the stock, now the overall length of the whole thing is much shorter. And uh, so again, it makes it uh, it makes it easier to use in an enclosed environment, like a vehicle or in a house or you know whatever. Uh, and it changes it changes the way a lot of those guns shoot because the center of mass is closer to your shoulder. It reduces recoil, and there's all kinds of cool things that are with bullpups. But you're right, Webb, and I didn't I didn't realize that until we were in the break, and I was able to actually find it. But the Charger is a 22 pistol. Um, and, uh, although it does look cool, I'd love to have a 22 pistol, a 1022 pistol. That would still be a pretty cool thing to have. I agree. And if you put a folding brace on it or something like that, you still have a very packable, um, you know, very effective and reliable, um, firearms. So yeah. You know, I own one myself and I, I, I won't part with it for anything. So yeah, I really appreciate your show, but. Thank you very much. Thank you, Webb. I really appreciate you calling in uh, as well. And again, while I uh, like, uh, while I, uh, uh, I'm a, I'm a, I find the novelty factor of a of a like a 1022 pistol appealing. Um, the practical applications of it is smaller than what I would like personally. Again, I would like a caliber that is available and usable for both personal defense and hunting and everything else, which is why, like I said, I prefer pistol carbine kits because it kind of splits the difference between, you know, between, again, that small caliber rimfire and the large caliber centerfire rifle uh, and still gives you a package that is uh, more comfortable and uh, and easier. You know, you can use it as concealed. You, you get more bang for your buck. Now, granted, it's not as great as a dedicated rifle. Um and in the carbine configuration, it's not doesn't have the advantages of a pistol, but within just a few minutes, you have everything available to where you could use you've got you can use either or. So I I love it. Um, uh, but uh, that your mileage may vary. And there's so many pistol kits out there right now. So many carbine kits for pistols uh, from companies. I mean Ronin and uh, OBT and there's there's a bunch of different companies that create these different kits um, for various popular handguns. Uh, that, uh, it, it, uh, it's something that you would, that you, you know, that you would, uh, uh, be remnant, you'd, you'd be remiss if you didn't add it to your emergency bag or kit or whatever. Um, and I know that there are actually carbines out there that are chambered in, uh, pistol calibers, but the problem is, is again, you, you lose, in my opinion, this is just my opinion. You lose the versatility of being able to have an actual handgun as well. So if you start off with a handgun and you use a carbine kit, you can take that handgun and within just a few minutes, now you have a full carbine, 16 inch, you know, 16 inch uh, shoulder stock, I mean, you know, high capacity mag, the whole deal. You've, you've got it all. 
and then when you need to, you can break it back down into the pistol size again. And so you get almost two for the price of one. <clears throat> I mean, think of it like the Thompson Contender, you know, version of the of the whole thing. You get you get two guns for the price of one. Well, actually, it's the price of two, but you can because those parts and pieces they ain't cheap. Okay, uh, I guarantee you. I've got all like I said, I got all the bells and whistles for my pistol, and uh, all the extra pieces and parts and everything probably cost almost as much as the full pistol did to begin with. But now I've got two different uh, variants that I can use it with, and I just think it uh, I think it makes more sense uh, in that regard. Uh, but there's nothing wrong with plinking with a 22, and there's definitely a place for a 22 caliber handgun or carbine or rifle in uh, in anybody's gun safe. Uh, primarily, it's a great way to train new people up on firearms in general, uh, pistols especially. If you're if you're introducing somebody to pistols for the first time, you know the the uh, the the 22 caliber revolver is a prime example of something that you uh, that you can use to teach those folks and uh, and 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 uh, without the fear of. You know, we've all seen the funny videos of the little tiny gal who weighs 90 pounds soaking wet, you know, shooting a 454 Casul or something at the range uh, and having it spin around in her hands and smack her in the face or whatever. We don't want that. If we want to introduce people to firearms, we want it. We want them to we want it to be an enjoyable um, an enjoyable experience. So 22s in pistols, in rifles. That is the best way to teach people the basics, especially the basics of safety, of trigger control, of, of targeting, of how to use it, uh, familiarizing themselves with the thing. I was just saying during the break, one of my favorite things was to get a 22 conversion for an AR. And there are several companies that make them. Spikes Tactical makes one, Black Dog Machine in Idaho makes them. Um, where you can basically um, drop, uh, you you open it up, you remove the <clears throat> you remove the bolt carrier group from your AR, and you drop this bolt carrier group in there with a with a special magazine, and all of a sudden now you're shooting 22 long rifle in your AR-15. Uh, there's no recoil, pretty much. I mean, it's all said and done, and you could still. I, I remember taking my kids out and shooting with them, and they still learn the the AR platform. They learn all the ins and outs of it. You know, mag releases, malfunctions, everything else. But now they can shoot all day long for one for cheaper, and two with almost no recoil, and uh, it uh, it really makes for a fun day of shooting. Uh, so twenty two definitely got a. Uh, uh, definitely got is got a place in anyone's um, in anyone's uh, gun safe when it's all said and done. Uh, Chris on YouTube says, "We'll just buy two guns." Well, that's the point. The point of what I was talking about was having the ability to have two guns from one platform. Now you could, sure, but then I'd have to haul around if I wanted a if I wanted a gun if I wanted a pistol and a carbine. I'd have to haul both around. And how am I going to haul around a carbine? You know, I guess I could in a backpack, so to speak. But if I got if I've got all the parts or a kit or a you know for for a for a carbine that turns my pistol into a carbine, why wouldn't I be able to? Because that just fits in a small backpack. And again, with just a moment or two, you could have everything put together. Why wouldn't you do that? That's the best of all worlds. So. Um, <clears throat> Uh, the ATF was on the news this morning, says Randy, uh, regarding the new regulation of ghost guns. Is that going to affect these conversion kits? 
Um, I don't believe so the way that I read. They're talking about more of the home manufacturing and those components. Now, here's the question. If they start to serialize all the different components, because as of right now, only the core piece, only the uh, only the uh, receiver on a firearm has the is required to have the serial number on it. But part of what these rules and regs look like, these deeming rules, is that they're going to talk about maybe attempting to put serial numbers on all the pieces, the barrel, the upper, the, you know, the, the stock, I mean, everything at this point. So uh, as of right now, no, but it is, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it, it could potentially happen in the future. But I can tell you right now, these new rules are going to get, they're going to get challenged in court. And quite honestly, they're probably going to be um, they're probably going to be uh, uh, struck down eventually. That's my feeling on it. But we'll we'll see what happens. Uh, Jeannie asks, "What is the reason for keeping a gun in a backpack?" Well, a variety of reasons. If I'm traveling, uh, you know, if I'm hiking up on trails, or I'm out in the, out in the wilderness, or out in the woods, uh, or maybe I'm walking through uh, uh, you know someplace public in a park, I can have a concealed uh, handgun on my hip. Uh, but if I'm hiking in unknown territory or walking through places that I don't know or anything else, and I've got an emergency bag on my back, you know, all you have to have is a small little tube with all the pieces and parts in it in your backpack, and you're good to go. Um, I mean, there's a variety of reasons. Um, I can't keep a carbine on your hip. Uh, that's 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 part of the problem, Jeannie. That's why I'm saying that these kits are handy in a variety of situations. Um, but it's... Uh, Anyway, uh, it, it, it's, a, it's a fun conversation uh, to think about. Um, maybe, we should have a, maybe we should have a review of some of these uh, carbine kits in the long run. Maybe I can justify that. Maybe I can buy some of these carbine kits and then do the reviews on the air, and then I could write it off as a business expense. Um, okay. Uh, <laughs> no, not really. But, you know, oh, it's tempting to think about, isn't it? Uh, all right. Well, we're coming back up on the break again. Uh, I just got another line on hold, but uh, I've got to take a quick break. So we're going to let them hold through the break and we'll come back with more phone calls. It is the Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Come on out and join us on Facebook if you want this morning. Facebook.com slash Michael Duke Show. You can also find us on YouTube and Twitch. You can also drop me an email, me at MichaelDukeShow.com. We'll be back with more. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. Our light, our guide, and our trusted friend. So, so when I read Jenny, uh, when I read Jeannie's comment for the first time, she says, what's the reason for keeping a gun in a backpack? And all I could think of was, well, why not? I mean, <laughs> is that so wrong of me? I mean, why not? Why, why, why wouldn't I? Uh, I mean, you know, why, why not? Why wouldn't I do that? <laughs> I mean, I, I love that. I think that that would be, I think that that would be fantastic. Oh, man. Um, yeah, there's some, there's some super cool things you can do, um, with, uh, w- with these different, uh, uh, with these different kits. Uh, where's this one? Here's the, uh, 
user pistol for greater effective range. Uh, that one, that one doesn't give you the full 16 inch barrel though. Where's the one with the 16 inch barrel? They used to have one that had a longer barrel, but here's what you can get. Here's a stabilized. This is a, uh, this is the, uh, where is it right here? <clears throat> non, non NFA. That's what I want right here. Non NFA, um, pistol. This is the, this is the Ronin setup. Uh, where is the split screen with my desktop source with my right here? Okay. So, uh, check, check this out. This is the Ronin or is it called Ronin? Did they change it? Is it Roni? Micro Roni now it used to be Ronin. Um, anyway, here's the new, this is the, for example, their, uh, their gen four non NFA, um, stabilizing setup. It basically uh, just mounts directly on your uh, it mounts directly on your Glock pistol, um, and uh, it, and it turns it you know gives you some stabilization, gives you a chance to shoot longer, et cetera, et cetera. Um, maybe was it Ronin? I can't, maybe it's a different company. Anyway, there used to be one that had a longer barrel where you could get like a ten inch barrel. Um, or it had a 10 inch barrel built into it. You basically took the Glock receiver and you mounted this whole setup on top of the Glock receiver. It took the place that you take your regular slide off, set your regular slide to the side and put this on it. And it became a, uh, and then it became a, basically a rifle, a small carbine, uh, with an overall length of whatever it was. Uh, it was non NFA. So it was, uh, it was not a short barreled rifle. Uh, but so it must've had a 16 inch barrel at that case, but there's, there's some cool different kits out there that you can get, um, for that kind of stuff. Uh, they've got all different, all different kinds, uh, for, uh, for you to look at, uh, as well. Maybe it was, that was it the gen two? I'm looking back here to see. No, that's, uh, that's different stuff. Okay. Anyway, then I would have to buy a Glock said Greg, like you needed an excuse for any of that. I mean, hey, there you go. How long to make the conversion, says Brian. Um, I can convert my, uh, I have mine is, uh, mine's not the Roni or whatever. It's one that I put together from uh, uh, Lone Wolf and Phobos and some others. Um, I can have mine converted in probably less than a minute. Um, so, I mean, it's not something that you're going to jump into the middle of a, you know, I don't know, gunfight or anything with. But if you needed it, it was, it's there. Um, uh, but you know, I could do it in less than, uh, in probably a minute or less. Uh, it's pretty, it's pretty quick. It's simple, break it down, slide the old barrel out, slide the 16 inch barrel in, uh, you know, thread it down, reattach everything foregrip, shoulder stock, uh, 30, 30 round mag away you go. Now you've got a, now you've got a carbine. Um, it's pretty quick. Um, anyway, it's, uh, some interesting stuff and, and I think an interesting discussion. I'm glad that, uh, Brady brought that up, but yeah, 22, definitely uh, a room in everybody's safe for that simply because it's just so fun. It's so easy to shoot and, uh, it's really great to bring new people, uh, on board with something like that because it's a blast. They, they just enjoy the heck out of it. Uh, hello to the Lost American Show, who's uh, joining us on Twitch this morning. Um, let's see. 
Uh, Jeannie says she'll send me money, more money, if I want to review them. <laughs> she said I'd keep my rifle on my shoulder and my pistol on my hip. Well, that's great. Uh, you know, again, uh, there's a there's a place for all that. Uh, I'm just saying if it's in a survival type situation or if you've got like a go bag or something like that or a truck bag, whatever you want to call it, um, that if you have a pistol and you have the ability to carry, uh, you know, carry that with you, then it just it gives you that extra little thing. Um, uh, Lost American says, I grew up in the States, but now I live in Germany. Good luck getting a firearm here. Oof, man. Sorry about that. True, true. It's all, it's all hard. I got one of those old 22 camp rifles that breaks down and stores in the stock semi-auto and it floats. You're talking about the, uh, the Springfield, uh, uh, AR-7. Isn't that what they called it? The AR-7. It was the little survival rifle. Yeah, that's it right there. Okay. Um, damn, I turned that down too. And it's still loud, still loud and proud. All right. Well, we're going to uh, continue here. Uh, the Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. Here we go. Okay, uh, welcome back to the program. Thanks for coming in. You're home for Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Common Sense, it's amazing they call it common. It's so rare. That's right. That's where we're at today. Uh, it is Firearms Friday. That is the one day a week that we dedicate to firearms, uh, the Second Amendment, gun goodness, and more. Don't forget you could join us uh, on the simulcast. We're simulcasting on Facebook and YouTube and Twitch all at the same time this morning. You're welcome to come on out and join us and talk with us. We had a call before we went to the break, but uh, they hung up because they didn't want to wait for us. So, again, gun Q&A all day. Phone lines are open at 907-433-3150, 907-433-3150. If you would like to uh, be part of the conversation, that's one way for you to do it. You can also, again, do us uh, do it in the, uh, in the uh, chat room as well if you want to do that online. We'd love for you to be part of it uh, there with us. Um, okay, so let's talk a little bit about some of the stories that we were uh, going to dive into today. And I was talking earlier on uh, in the hour about how, you know, the, the the games have changed. You know, we've seen over the last, mm, you know, almost 100 years now since the 1934 uh, National Firearms Act. We've seen, you know, how gun owners have been willing in some ways to, you know, to kind of be reasonable, bend over backwards to allow some infringements on their rights for the common good uh, of all citizenry and everything else. But we've seen how that has been continually stretched and pushed and uh, and and basically we were the ones that compromised right up to the point to where how how, how much more how much do we need to compromise, right, becomes the question. How much do we need to, uh, to step up and, uh, and how much more reasonable do we need to be? Uh, my buddy Tom Knighton over at Bearing Arms is writing about this today, talking about, you know, that we find ourselves 
a lot of times at the other side of uh, this kind of political football, um, you know, we don't support gun control laws after all. But that doesn't mean that because we don't support gun control laws that we don't think that some of the things that have happened out there aren't horrific and horrendous. We just don't think that more gun control laws are going to stop them, right? Because we know how most criminals actually get their guns. Most of them, you know, they get them secondhand, they steal them, they have somebody straw purchase them. And then in the cases of many of these different shooting events, most of the, you know, most of them that were acquired legally were done in in accordance with the law. I mean, the Parkland shooter, he w- went out to a gun store, did the background check, got the gun. The, the Sutherland Springs shooter, he went out, passed a background check, even though he shouldn't have because he had a dishonorable discharge and everything else and a, and a psych thing from the Air Force. They just didn't report it properly. He, he got a gun. You know, the VT shooter, he got a gun legally. I mean, I could go through the list time and time and time again. Name me one more law that would have stopped them from doing this. Because as I've pointed out time and time and time again, these people who do these things, they are criminals, and criminals, by their very definition, break the law. There's already a law against murder. There's already a law against violent crime. There's already a law against taking firearms into certain areas uh, you know, on your person or to shoot or to brandish or – I mean, there are uh, – so anybody who does, you know, some random act of mass shooting is already breaking probably a dozen different laws. You name me one more law that would have stopped it. And the problem is you can't. What what they're really after in the long run is the elimination of firearms because they think that somehow will fix it. The problem is, as we've seen in countries like Australia and England and France and other places, is that when you outlaw guns for all the private citizens, the criminals still don't care. They still go ahead and produce. I mean, we still have the Charlie Hebdo shooting in and the attack on the rock concert in France with fully automatic Kalashnikovs. We've still got the bikey gangs down in Australia who've been busted uh, in whole machine shops where they're manufacturing illegal machine guns. I mean, that's that's the problem. They're criminals. But it doesn't matter. Many people, you know, know know that we don't support these laws, but it doesn't stop them from thinking that we should. Here is a piece out of the uh, uh, that Tom references out of the Kenesha News, uh, written by this woman, Kay Stepflung, Stelbflung. She says, I'm not even sure why this is an issue that continues to be debated, argued, and defended. Background checks and time limits are not taking away anyone's rights. To own a musket and flitlock pistol is your rice. Even a dueling pistol could be tucked away should the need arise. To awaken at dawn for the meeting with your wife's lover in a field, this event would need to be planned and witnessed with the winner going to prison, of course. Okay, so let me unpack that for just a second. Um... She says, I'm not even sure why this issue continues to be debated. Background checks and time limits are not taking away anyone's rights. A right delayed is a right denied. It is not a right, therefore, it is a privilege. What if I said that we had to run a background check on you and issue you a 10-day waiting period for you to post something on Facebook or to write this letter to the editor of this opinion piece? Wouldn't that be an infringement on your First Amendment right? 
to have to wait and get government approval and have a background check run on you to make sure you're saying the right things? Then this whole thing about to own a musket and a flitlock pistol is your right. Even the dueling. And then she gets snarky about the dueling pistol. And it, the condescension is so thick in this. And this is part of the problem with, 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 with a lot of these anti-gun folks. It's that feeling of superiority. you know. But to own a musket and a flintlock pistol is your right. If you're equating the Second Amendment to the flintlock pistol and the musket, well, then the First Amendment should be uh, basically equated to the printing press. And this and the room full of scribes hand scribing and re you know re rewriting things because maybe that's what the First Amendment should only cover. The First Amendment should only cover the printed and spoken word that can only be heard within the sound of somebody's voice. Because they didn't have radio, television, internet, any of those things. Right? But this is the mindset of this. She goes on to say, I can't imagine gun owners not being appalled by what has occurred repeatedly at the hands of the irresponsible few. It would seem to me responsible gun owners would support stricter controls, knowing that if the gun violence continues to play out, severe gun laws will be inevitable for all. Okay, so first of all, I can't imagine gun owners not being appalled. We are appalled. We are appalled by these acts of violence that happen. The problem is, We do not believe that stricter controls will help. What we're doing is we're putting it, you know, it's like putting a Band-Aid on a bleeding femoral artery. You can't do that. Right? I mean, you're, you're, you're addressing the symptom and not the root cause of the disease. Then she goes on to say, taking guns out of the hands of unstable and violent shooters would save some 38,000 Americans who die from gun violence every year. Again, pushing the false narrative. That 38,000 includes 27,000 people who kill themselves with firearms, who commit suicide. That's the conflation. The actual number of homicides with firearms is somewhere in the 10 to 11,000 people range. It's probably spiked up a little bit this year, but overall, it runs between 10 and 12,000 people a year are murdered with firearms. Now, statistically speaking, in a country with 320 million people, that's a pretty low number. But don't keep conflating this 38,000 with suicide. People who are going to commit suicide are also going to commit suicide no matter what. If you take away one tool, they'll do something else. They'll jump in front of a train. They'll, they'll, you know, they'll hang themselves. They'll find pills. They'll gas themselves in the garage. Whatever it is, the firearm just happens to be the most convenient thing available. It's not going to slow it down. But this author just can't imagine gun owners not being appalled. What well, we are. We're, but again, show me one more thing that will stop what's going on. We've been reasonable in 1934, 1968, uh, you know, all these laws. None of them seem to have reduced violent crime. I mean, you used to be able to go to a hardware store and just buy a gun, right? You didn't require an FFL. You didn't require a background check. You didn't require, you used to be able to order, you used to be able to order a Thompson machine gun in the mail and they would send it to you. No big deal. Yeah, we didn't have drive-bys and all this other kind of stuff. I mean, people go, well, Al Capone and the thing. Very limited instances of that kind of stuff. It wasn't happening every day in downtown Los Angeles. But this is, look, we're, we're, as Tom says, we're done being reasonable. 
We've tried reasonable. We've tried explaining to you. And I would say at this point, not one more inch. We don't need any more. Not one more inch should we move on this. Because you cannot show me that your ideas of universal background checks and high-capacity magazine bans and all these other things that they keep talking about, you cannot show me that they would have stopped any one of these instances of violence and gun crime. I mean, again, because I can point you to the fact that many of these shooters bought their guns legally and lawfully. What you really want is you want to disarm everybody because you think that in a utopian society, if all guns are outlawed, then nobody will have them. But again, the old axiom of when guns are outlawed, only outlaws will have guns carries through because they are criminals. They will break the law. We can point you to country after country where that's happened. All right, we got to go. Hour two dead ahead. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense Radio. The Aussie bikies are smart. If you're going to make illegal guns, make illegal, illegal guns. I mean, that's the thing, right? I was always like, if you're in for a penny, in for a pound, I mean, if it's already illegal to own a gun, then why not just go full hog and, and get the, you know, and get a get a, a machine gun if that's the case. You know, I mean, if it's already, if it, <laughs> excuse me. I mean, if it's already illegal, then what's the, again, in for a penny, in for a pound. And I keep going back to that whole thing in France with Charlie Hebdo and the and the attacks on the thing. And I mean, these guys were terrorists, don't get me wrong, but they got their hands on fully automatic Kalashnikovs. These were not Saturday night specials. And whether they bought them, whether they smuggled them in or whatever, they're available. Bad people are going to do bad things. That's why we call them bad people, right? They don't care how many laws are there or on the books. That's not their point. They've decided to do what they're going to do. All right. Um, all right. All four lines are open. Um, what, what does Willie Waffle carry? A Glock? Question mark. Willie Waffle lives in New York State. I doubt that he carries much of uh, anything at that point. Um, uh, what's the reason for keeping a gun in a backpack? Greg says bug out bag. Yeah. I mean, there are times when, well, I guess I would just say to you in that regard, gray man. Gray man. Uh, for those of you who don't know what great what the gray man concept is, it means that you are um, that you uh, are not walking around loud and proud with your tactical swagger, but that you look like any other Joe on the street. You're still armed, you're still ready, you're prepared, but you look like every other Joe on the street. You're just uh, you know you're you're just quiet and your the eyes slide right off you. They go right on by. And uh, if you're in a situation where, you know, there is something that, you know, you need to protect yourself from, or if there is, uh, you know, a situation where you need to make it out of an area or do something like that, 
Uh, you know, you can't really be gray man when you're all in your full battle rattle. You know what I mean? You can't be walking around with an AR strapped to your chest, walking down Main Street with a crowd of people thinking that somebody's not going to pick you out and say, hey, that guy might be looking for trouble. But if you're just, you know, Joe Schmo with your backpack over your shoulder and your coat on and you're just walking with everybody else with your head down, then, you know, there you go. Um, rifle in a backpack. Think natural disaster, says Rick. Yeah. I mean, exactly. And I mean, I carry a bunch of stuff. I've got a, you know, I've got an emergency bag, a go bag, a 72 hour bag, a bug out bag, whatever you want to call it. I mean, I've got one. I've got one for my family. You know, I got, I got one, I got another bag that goes in my car if I'm going to be traveling. I mean, I've got those things. Why wouldn't you? Just in case? Just don't know. Um, uh, agreed. But people need to pack a backup. I'd never walk through the bush without a pistol on my hip. Hip and long gun in my hands or on my shoulder. Well, no, I'm not talking about going out hunting in the bush. I'm talking about if you're on a trail, if you're on the edge of the woods, if you're doing those things. Again, gray man. Gray man. Just just saying. Just saying. Um, plenty of laws of the books. Enforcement of existing laws is lax. Yep. Mine were cased behind this. Oh, when I drove to school... Uh, when I was in high school, anyone that drove had a rifle in their back. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I remember that. There used, to, you know, it used to happen all the time. You can't even take a gun onto school grounds these days. Um, Doty says, "I remember those days well, and no school shootings. How about that? I'm so thankful I grew up during those times, but so sad our kids and grandkids will never know how truly free and great America was back then." Um, it's because people stopped parenting, says Jeannie. Okay, Bob for each vehicle. Bob is bug out bag. Bob for each vehicle. You have to walk more like Rain Man just to fit into today's society. I mean, that is it is a challenge. If you ever decide to go full on Gray Man, right? Um, I mean, when when I'm walking around, I'm I mean, when I'm walking around in public doing things, my head is kind of on a swivel, right? I'm trying to have situational awareness to see things ahead of time, which means you meet people's eyes and you look around and. And uh, I probably look more alert than the average bear. And so if you're trying to go gray man, that, that you're going to have to tone that down a little bit and, you know, put your head down and shuffle and maybe look at your phone or whatever. <laughs> you have to find some way to do that. But uh, definitely you may have to walk a little bit like Rain Man, just to Wapner, Wapner, just to fit in. That might that might be the case. <laughs> Wapner, Wapner. Okay. Um well, I got some other stories, but is there anything else you guys want to talk about this morning since you're here, the 38 of you or whatever who are here with us this morning? Anything else you guys want to talk about this morning um, uh, related to firearms? Feel free to drop it in the chat room this morning and tell me if you got questions, if you got things you have some curiosity about or anything else. We don't have any phone uh, calls this morning, so we're ready to uh, we're ready to go. We're going to jump back into it. Uh, the Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Here we go. Hour two, dead ahead. 
Whoa, buddy, put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. The Michael Duke Show. I have two guns, one for each of you. Firearms Friday. As Thomas Jefferson stated, it is the right and duty of the people to be at all times armed. To be at all times armed. Say hello to my new friend! I say that the Second Amendment is, in order of importance, the First Amendment. The right to keep and bear arms is the one right that allows rights to exist at all. The right to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Not be infringed. Firearms. From my cold, dead hands. Friday. Hands my rifle, my gun. This is for fighting, this is for fun. Firearms Friday. Oh, yeah. Firearms Friday. Your chance to sound off on issues of a 2A nature right here. On the Michael Duke Show. Hello, my friends. Hello. How are you doing? You ready to jump into it and uh, and talk about guns and gun rights and more? And then, of course, as always, on the weekend, we're going to finish things up with our friend Willie Waffle from WaffleMovies.com, who's going to come on board with us and dissect uh, whatever's coming out at the movie. Oh, this weekend. it's That's right. Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. He's going to have uh, some reviews for that uh, with that on us. And uh, we'll also have some entertainment news and everything else. So um, I'm, I'm loving it. I'm loving it as well. Um, so today is a firearms Friday and it's gun Q and a, meaning the phone lines are open right now at uh, 907-433-3150. If you'd like to call in and talk about anything that's firearms related this morning, whether it's advice, whether it's a range review or range report, uh, you know, talking about your favorite, uh, firearm or whatever it is that you want to discuss, we are here for you to discuss it this morning. Feel free to uh, dive in on the phone and talk to us there. You can also uh, talk with us uh, in the uh, chat room, which is available uh, over on Facebook or on YouTube or on Twitch. But Facebook is probably the easiest at facebook.com slash Michael Duke Show. Feel free, to, uh, feel free to, to dive in with us over there and talk about it with us at that place as well. Um, some interesting discussions coming into the chat room during the break. We were talking about um, we were talking about uh, uh, carbines earlier and some of the different carbine kits for pistols and stuff like that. We talked about the concept of, uh, of uh, you know, being uh, unobtrusive in public, you know. Uh, it's one of the reasons why I am, while I believe that open carry should be legal and allowed, I am very much philosophically opposed to the people who walk into Starbucks with an AR-15 strapped to their chest trying to make some kind of point. Uh, because I don't think it's winning friends and influencing people. You know what I so we're talking about like the gray man idea of just being unobtrusive and just carrying on about your day. And uh, if you need to deal with a situation, then you need to you know you you deal with it. Um, <clears throat> we've talked about that as well. We just finished up with a story talking about how some folks out there who, after they look down their notice, uh, nose at us at every opportunity, then just say that we should be more reasonable when it comes to gun. Uh, laws and gun uh, control. And to that, I say, I'm done being reasonable. That's that's what I say. 
Um, and then there's the question about why are you preaching and why are you chastising gun owners when we are some of the most, you know, when we are the most law-abiding, generally speaking, amongst the populace. In fact, an interesting statistic that John Lott has talked about several times, uh, Dr. John Lott, <clears throat> is a uh, is a statistic that shows that uh, concealed carry permit holders across the country are pretty much the most law-abiding demographic in America. In fact, concealed carry permit holders are more lawful than police officers. There are more instances of police officers breaking the law, getting caught and being prosecuted for breaking the law, than there are for concealed carry permit holders. And that is, uh, I mean, that's a... (laughs) That's a that's a pretty big statistic, you know, but all they do is they continue to call out for all these common sense and reasonable gun laws or gun safety measures, as they like to say it. Uh, it uh, it's a it's a pretty amazing thing. And I'm going to tell you why uh, that makes no sense whatsoever. But first, we're going to go to the phones and see what uh, <clears throat> what you have to say at four, three, three, thirty one fifty over here. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Good morning, John from Kodiak. Good morning, John. What's happening down there on the Emerald Isle? Uh, normal day. Hey, I have a law that if you pass it, will reduce gun violence in quotation marks. You want to hear it? I, I can't wait. Hit me with it. Law enforcement always has the right at any time to search any convicted felon the vehicle that they're in, and the domicile that they are in, regardless of if that vehicle or domicile is theirs. So if, and to facilitate that law, every felon will have a big capital letter F on the front of their driver's license. <laughs> so if you pop your you pop your ID out and it's got the big red scarlet letter on it right in the middle of it, then they're like, okay, spread them, drop them and spread them, and open your doors and let me in. Yeah. Yeah. You know, won't that reduce gun violence? Well, you'd think, I mean, I think what you're getting at here, I mean, and you're right, uh, I mean, in that regard, but I guess what you're getting at here is that if we actually prosecuted criminals instead of, you know, instead of, uh, you know, having it be the revolving door, then maybe you're right. Then then maybe we, we could slow this down. Now, I would say that I am a believer in people who have committed felonies, especially nonviolent felonies, that if they serve their time and they do everything else, I believe that they should be reintegrated into society and should have all their rights restored, including their gun rights, because that's the whole idea behind paying your debt to society. But at the same time, if you've got violent criminals who did those kind of things, I'm not I'm not so sure that I wouldn't support that idea. But again, how about just actually prosecuting the people the first time around so it doesn't just become a slap on the hand right. and send them you know, in? You know, most repeat offenders are the uh, gang members and uh, criminals. So if you gave that right to all law enforcement, it would, number one, it would set the liberals' hair on fire. That in itself, just to hear them, hear your argument, I would love that. 
Yeah. No, I, I, I like this. I, I like, I mean, I like kind of the idea and the concept behind it. I think it has to be more nuanced because again, we're not cookie cutters. Like again, not all felonies are created equal. And since there are 300,000 federal laws on the books, uh, you know, uh, federal crimes on the books and we all break one or two of them every day, uh, I would like to be a little cautious about it. But again, I think it comes back down to the base argument of let's prosecute criminals for what they're actually doing instead of, you know, making plea deals and, and letting them go scot-free or out on bail or whatever. So, but John, that's a great, that's a great idea. Love uh, you, Joe. Thank you so much for calling in. Um, I, I'd, I'd love to hear more about it. Again, I think this comes back to nuance. Uh, some felon says Jimmy in the chat room have a class four, which is basically a mit- misdemeanor, yet they are still a felon. Again, like I said, maybe it should only be for a certain type or a certain thing. And technically, they still can uh, be searched. I mean, John is right, is that they, if if you are, well, if I, I guess not if you, if your parole and your probation is over, I don't know, maybe somebody who's been in law enforcement could tell me. I think you still, when you're on parole or on probation, they still have that right. But once all that's done, then I think you don't have, I don't, I don't think that they have the right to just search you at any given time. Um, but <clears throat> we'll see. We'll see what happens here. Uh, <laughs> wow, the chat room got real dark for a second there. Uh, John, Jonathan's like, pedophilia should be punished by the death penalty. Um, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm not a, not disagreeing with that, uh, but that's really not where we're at right now on this. Uh, but speaking of maybe we should, uh, you know, maybe we should, uh, uh, you know, pr- prosecute the crimes How about this one? Uh, Remember the Twin Cities? That's where uh, Minneapolis, uh, you know, the whole thing with with George Floyd uh, and where that went down. And so federal prosecutors there, it's also the the source of the uh, defund the police movement, remember? Um, But uh, federal prosecutors there are going to try something new. They're going to, uh, you know, prosecute people. According to the uh, TwinCities.com, Minnesota's new U.S. attorney said Tuesday his office will refocus the effort to combat violent crime by adding more resources as well as charging and prosecuting suspected adult carjackers at the federal level. U.S. Attorney Andrew Lunger, uh, Luger rather, was joined by several federal and local law enforcement officials, uh, including the police chiefs of St. Paul and Minneapolis, and announcing that his office called Uh, The Federal Violent Crime Strategy. Uh, They're going to refocus the entire office around the effort to combat violent crime. Starting now, he said, every federal prosecutor will add violent crime cases in addition to their other work. They're going to add somewhere between five and eight new additional prosecutors, and they're going to start charging a lot of these crimes as federal crimes. So they're going to prosecute the bad guys, Um, which, uh, you know, I guess they should have been doing from the very beginning, you know, uh, I mean, will it make a difference? Well, I guess we'll see. And of course, my fear is, is that at some point this can bleed over into some other things, basically including federal overreach, where you've got local crimes that are being charged at, at the federal level. So, I mean, I think that there's a, uh, there's a line there as well, but hey, wait, shocking. We're going to actually prosecute crimes. Okay. That's a, probably a, it's probably a good idea. I mean, I, I think that that would Makes sense, you know. All right, let's uh, go over to the phones and see what you have to say. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Good morning, Michael. This is Ron in North Pole. Good morning, my friend. 
Well, uh, the gentleman, I believe the gentleman was from Kodiak that, uh, when we were talking yes. about the Scarlet Letter. Yes, yes. Uh, that already exists for those individuals who are on parole or probation. Right, that's what it's I was incorporated saying. Incorporated into yeah. the ge- into the general conditions. Yeah, that's what I was saying. But I don't think once you've served your parole or you're off probation, then then that no longer applies. Right, you have to be on parole or probation for that basically to be open season on your rights at that point. Well, it uh, it, it does have some bleed over in as much as uh, the uh, under section. Uh, 1161-200 of the Alaska Criminal Code, it clearly defines uh, what's legal and what's not as far as people who have uh, history of convictions. And uh, it uh, speaks primarily to uh, to handguns, rifles, shotguns, that sort of thing. Right. Do not fall into the same category. Well, you've got a little... In other words, the issue of concealability. Right. You've got, a, you've got some background in this. I mean, what do you think is the solution, in your humble opinion... On this kind of stuff. I mean, is it, I mean, is it again a criminal problem where we need to be, you know, either harder on them from the start or harder when they're returning? Or is that, I mean, what, what do you think is the solution? I mean, and what do you think of John's suggestion of, you know, the scarlet letter, so to speak, or whatever, to be able to basically search them at any time? Well, uh, I, I would, uh, simply say that uh, the only time that uh, particular condition of parole or probation can be carried out is either with the direct presence and order of the supervising uh, probation or parole officer, uh, unless there's something like, uh, let's say, exigent circumstances where geography prevents that officer from being present and the uh, violation is discovered by a peace officer, then that authority can be delegated. Right. Okay, but you'd better have some some really really good in, exigent circumstances to make that stick. Right. So you're saying, in, if, other, in other words, so you're saying ahead. if if the average Joe law enforcement officer rolls up on a, uh, you know, a felon on probation driving a car, and he has some kind of suspicion that he has to wait for a supervisor to come over to search the 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 felon and the and the vehicle, or because he's under probation, he can uh, do it on his own. Well. Uh, as I say, exigency has has its its limits. However, if it's uh, three o'clock in the morning and the officer calls uh, the supervising officer at home, uh, he can in fact delegate that authority. Okay. All right. Well, um, I uh, yeah. <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> yeah no. Uh, have, having having been involved in some. Uh, search and seizure cases that resulted in new criminal convictions that went all the way to the Supreme Court. Uh, I do have some background in that, and uh, I would simply say on a basis of law, based on those Supreme Court and appellate court decisions, that we, uh, in the vast majority of cases, prevailed. So do you think that we should be that we should be more strident in prosecuting first time cases to begin with? Would that fix some of this recidivism or what are you what what are your thoughts on that? Well, uh, you you get into an area of, uh, I suppose, the right uh, description would be greater good because we're always facing a problem of limited facility in order to house convicted people who are sent to jail. And so uh, many times courts weigh that very heavily in their decision as to whether to incarcerate or not. 
Well, I wish we had all the solutions here. We don't. We <laughs> I mean, don't, I mean yeah. it's a very, it's a very sticky, sticky issue, yeah. and uh, has uh, so many permutations that we couldn't possibly discuss all of them in our telephone conversation. Right. Well, I guess you know, I guess the things that stick in our mind, though, Ron, are the things like the, uh, you know, the the what was the story written? Remember when Rittenhouse got? Uh, remember when he got arrested? At the same time, there was another youth about his age, a young black guy who basically went out and shot a bunch of people and had gotten out on bail, um, you know, like the next day at like $50,000 bail or something. It was something ridiculously low. And there was videos of him online partying and bragging about it, you know, and in the next day and things like that. And yet Rittenhouse was being run through the meat grinder kind of thing. And people are like, wait, 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 this doesn't make any sense. You shoot five people, you get out. I mean, you know, there's, there's, there's gotta be some, some equitability in this and there's gotta be some common sense. And it just didn't seem like some of these things are being, uh, um, are being uh, uh, exercised. Well, I, I think that uh, you know we, we can always throw the blame on somebody else, but there are many judicial officers who are uh, reticent to uh, set high bails or no bails uh, simply because they feel uh, there's either an overcrowding in the prisons or else uh, they're doing the wrong thing as far as. Uh, considering the individual's potential for rehabilitation. Yeah. And, and as I say, it gets very convoluted. Yeah, it is. It's not an easy soundbite fix, that's for sure. Ron, thank you for your call, my friend. It's good to hear from you. Uh, appreciate you sounding off today. Folks, we're out of time. we got more. One more segment coming up on guns, and then Willie Waffle, The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay. Um, I was going to try and turn that thing down. Wait, I can turn it down, can I? Sorry, I was laughing because <clears throat> that, that alarm has scared the hell out of me both times that I've used it. Let me turn it down here a little bit and see if that see if that fixes it. Um Almost peed my pants the last time. Da-dang. Okay. Um, let me go back to the chat room to see what you guys have been talking about here. Uh, did you see that the guy who attacked Dave Chappelle in L.A. had a, had a gun knife? Yet that worthless D.A. George Gaskin said the crime wasn't a felony and he didn't prosecute misdemeanors, so the guy won't be charged. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Guy full-on body tackles Chappelle on stage with a gun knife. Um, and, uh, <clears throat> I mean, wouldn't that be an assault with a deadly weapon? That's a misdemeanor? Or what? It, I know people are scratching their heads. Uh, people are scratching their heads on that thing. Uh, lack of ammunition. Is it first-time gun owners buying three to four boxes? Or is it ammo scalpers? I think it's a combination of the two things. I mean, we talked about this last uh we talked about this late last year um with a number of new gun owners they were saying that it was somewhere along the lines of uh uh what was it was it two or four million new gun owners i can't remember what the number was but i mean you figured that you're talking even on the low end two million new gun owners now let's say that each one of those two million new gun owners bought two boxes of ammunition just a hundred rounds. Okay. 
2 million times 100. I mean, you're talking about millions and millions. And if it was 4 million, then it's even, you know, uh, and, and statistically, woof. I think that that is, uh, uh, I think that that is still a, uh, I think what you're seeing now is still a reaction to a lot of the first time gun owners trying to buy, uh, trying to buy ammunition or maybe trying to resupply after originally buying ammunition. I mean, we've got more gun owners now than ever before. Uh, one of the stories that I was going to get to that I just, I don't have enough. Where is the the chart? There was a chart here I was looking at earlier this morning. Um, here it is. Um, that the annual growth rate for the NICS checks alone shows that uh, 2020 and 2021 um, was just insane. I mean, we had 2 million NICS background checks in 20 and 21, nearly 2 million for each one of those. Um, overall, we had something like, what was it, 28 million NICS background checks in 2020 alone. I mean, you start talking about, and, and a big chunk of those being new gun owners, um, I think, well, maybe it was it was 8 million because half of them were minorities, uh, women, things like that when, they, when the NSSF broke that down. Um, they found that there was a 49% increase in uh, sales to Hispanic buyers, 58% increase in blacks, 43 uh, in, in Asians, and they said nearly half of a lot of the new gun owners were women. So, yeah. Um, yeah, it's, a, it's, it's an, interesting, an interesting thing. But I think, Sean, that the, the, the lack of ammunition is still the fact that when you start putting on you know, five, six, eight million new gun owners a year, year after year for two or three years, that is going to be, uh, that is going to be a serious issue with, uh, with your ammunition supply. Um, when I worked at a gun shop in New York, says Daniel, they were just flat out denying and delaying people because of the volume, not because they were come up, not because they came up wrong, but because of the volume. I had the same thing. Um, I bought, uh, I bought a shotgun here, I don't know. I think it was a year ago. Um, and I was delayed and it was strictly according to the FFL that I was dealing with. He goes, he says, I see this all the time. People who've never been delayed or denied before now getting delayed over and over again. And it's always because of the volume of what they're dealing with. All right. Well, you know what that means. Time to jump back into it. The Michael Duke show, common sense, liberty-based free thinking radio. You know, it's it's interesting. We were just talking about uh, different. It, anyway, somebody just brought up this stockpile issue. Um, I actually posted a, a picture about this to the uh, to the Common Sense Core Facebook page, 
which, by the way, if you're not a member of the Common Sense Corps, you can be. The Common Sense Corps is our fan club, the Cool Kids Club, right? It's uh, it's where you go to help support the show. For as little as a cup of coffee a month, you could help uh, keep us on the air. And, in fact, we're broadcasting this morning um, from our brand-newly rebuilt computer that got just got wrecked. Um, and it's because of the contributions of the Common Sense Corps members I was able to get it back online so fast. And I want to say thank you to them for helping to, to do that. But anyway, I posted it to the private Facebook group that uh, the Common Sense Corps members get to join. And it was a picture of a uh, it was a picture uh, out of a newscast. Uh, and I want to make sure that I quote it correctly. So let me grab it real quick uh, out of the uh, let me grab it real, real quick out of the deal. Uh, it's a picture from uh, ABC News, and it's got a picture of this guy. Uh, and it says, underneath his picture, it says, Suspects stockpile is found. And then on the right-hand side, it lists out what they found. A thousand rounds of ammunition, one Remington rifle, two scopes. Stockpile. <laughs> and I... <laughs> stockpile one rifle two scopes and a thousand rounds is a stockpile don't look at me don't look in this direction <laughs> this is i mean this is so reminiscent of a, a again a story that i remember from about four or five years ago where they talk about you know going into some guy searching some guy's house and they were reporting that he came out with an arsenal and his arsenal was laid out on the hood of the cruiser kind of thing. And it was two pistols, three rifles, including a twenty two, and like 500 rounds of ammunition. That was an arsenal of things. <laughs> and I just keep saying, you keep using that word. It doesn't mean what I think you think it means. Uh, because that is just – but, I mean, this is how – the news media continues to frame a lot of these arguments, right? That, uh, my God, you've got two guns. You've got three guns. You've got 100 rounds of ammunition. That's a stockpile, an arsenal. What are you going to do? <laughs> I mean, have you? <laughs> wow. <laughs> Most guys are like, I got more than that in my truck. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Oh, hashtag Alaska problems. That's what I'm saying. Hashtag Alaska problems. Um, all right. Well, uh, I let's. Are we going to go to the phones? I got some more stories, but let's go to the phones here. We're going to run out of time here for too long, so we'll continue on with your phone calls. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Carlene and Kodiak. Hello. The stockpile sounds more like a starter kit. Yeah, exactly. That's in Alaska. We do call that a starter kit. Here's a thousand rounds, one rifle, and two scopes. That is your basic starter kit. That's not even the deluxe starter kit, Carlene, because there was no pistols in it. So it's the basic starter kit. Hey, I got a jar of pickles in my cupboard. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> thanks, Michael. All right, I Th know. Thanks, Carlene. I appreciate it. That's what we call the. Uh, that's what we call the uh, the minimum basic requirements. One rifle, a thousand rounds, and two scopes. A basic minimum requirement for what's going on. Um, all right. Well, let me tease you with a few of the things that I wanted to get to today, but we're obviously not going to be able to have enough time to uh, deal with it. I covered that one. I covered that one. And I covered that one. Okay. Over here. Um, 
there's a new article out <clears throat> talking about the uh, new defensive gun uses. America's First Freedom's got an article up about it. And we talk, we've talked about defensive gun use on this program uh, many times. Um, you know, we again, talking about the, the, the snarky lady whose opinion piece talked about the 38,000 gun deaths, gun vi- death by gun violence every year and all that kind of stuff. Um, and, and how that 38, first of all, the 38,000 was wrong and conflated, but you know, one thing that they never talk about and the one thing the news media never points out is the number of times that a gun is used defensively. And that doesn't even mean that it's fired. It means that the mere presence of a firearm, uh, stops it. Well, there's a new study out. The most recent study, uh, shows that, uh, uh, about 1.6 million times annually, um, uh, there are defensive gun uses, 1.6 million times. And in fact, the study shows that over a lifetime, about a third of gun owners will use a firearm defensively at least once. And I have, I've used my firearm. Now, it doesn't mean I fired my firearm, but again, the mere presence of a firearm can stop a crime or an altercation. That's what DGU is about, the defensive gun used. Um, and uh, 1.6 million times. There's been a lot of different studies on it, uh, one you know, ranging from um, uh, the ones uh, Terrence, uh, like Terrence in 1994, they did a DGU study uh, that showed that it was uh, 760,000 times annually. And in the same year, the Los Angeles Times did a DGU uh, study and showed that it was 3.6 million times times. But the the gold-plated study on this is Gary Gleck's study from 1993. And he used a, he conducted a survey that had much more methodologically sophisticated components than any of the other polls that have been used so far. And he found that the midpoint estimate is about 2.5 million DGUs annually with a possible range of two to three million. So right there in the middle, about two and a half million. So two and a half million times a year. Defensive gun use happens. Now, there was also a poll that came out of Harvard. I think the lowest one ever was the one that came out of Harvard um, that uh, showed that it was something like 98,000 times a year. Still, 98,000 times a year defensive gun use versus the number of actual homicides, which is about eleven to 12,000. So even at the lowest end, DGUs accounts for 10 times... The number of actual homicides with a firearm. And if you go all the way up to 2.6 million, ooh, baby. I really wanted to get more into that article, but we're just not going to have time today to do it. So we'll maybe we'll pick that up for next week. All right, my friends. We will uh, talk with you. Got more coming up. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense Radio. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay, in the break. In Alaska, it's not how many guns, but how many gun safes. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) Oh, man. I remember seeing the... I remember seeing the pictures of the the like one of the largest gun safes in the world or something. The damn thing's like ten feet tall and like seven feet wide or something. And I'm like, 
The shocking thing is, is that I know two or three people that could use one of those. <laughs> Instead of having one, two, three, four safes along the edge of their garage, they could have just this big one and it would be just, it would be just fine. Just fine. Uh, what do you call it when a person has 30 pairs of shoes and boots? Well, I call it Beverly Hills, right? I mean, why do you need more of those? Why do you need more of, I mean, I only have, I only have really one pair of shoes and one pair of boots. Why do you need any more? Right? Why do you need any more of those? I mean, they get the job done. I was, I, I should ask that to somebody, you know, why do you need more guns? Well, I don't know. How many pairs of shoes do you have? Or better yet, how many fire extinguishers do you Can you have too many fire extinguishers? I'm just asking. <laughs> Alaskan, a heavily armed North American with pilot bread. Oh, so true. Donna says only 30 pairs of shoes? Don't tell me, Donna. Do you have a walk-in closet with a lot of shoes? I'm just, I'm asking. I'm just asking for a friend. See, I want the walk-in closet that's got the like the miniature submarine steel hatch on it, you know, because it's my walk-in closet is full of guns. That's that's what I want. Could I shoot them all? Probably not, but God, I love owning them, right? I love owning them. <laughs> Donna Imelda. Donna Imelda Marcos. That's who <laughs> Oh my God, Jeannie and I are dating ourselves at this point. Imelda Marcos, probably half the chat room is going, who? <laughs> oh man. Oh man. Okay. Um, an arsenal for Mayberry RFD, says Chris. Seriously? That's not stockpiling. Yeah, I know. Exactly. That's not stockpiling. I mean, I don't know. What's higher than an arsenal? What's higher than a stockpile? I mean, if one rifle and a thousand rounds and two scopes is a stockpile and three rifles, two pistols and 500 rounds is an arsenal, what's the next level? I mean, a plethora of a thing, you know, do they, I, I don't know. I feel like I want to make a meme of that scene in the matrix where, you know, they show that picture of the guy with his stockpile, stockpile of gun, one gun, thousand rounds. And then the next scene, it's Keanu Reeves going, Guns, lots of guns in the matrix and all those shelves. I mean, thousands and thousands of rifles zoom up around him. That's what I want. Armory. Okay. Armory. I guess it's an arsenal then becomes an armory, <laughs> a depot. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I just feel like I want to make a meme now out of that. I just want to do that. All right. You guys are all on the same sheets of music here. I got two armories and two depots. I'll see your two armories and I'll raise you to, to a depot. A depot. <laughs> oh, Greg, I think you're going to have to find another one beyond that for you, buddy. That's all I'm saying. I think we're going to have to find whatever's higher than a depot. Then, Is it a supply dump? Is that what it is? It's a dump. <laughs> it's a supply dump. Any normal Alaskan household has has at least a arsenal, I think. I mean, you know, if you've got guns in Alaska, you skipped right over the stockpile and went right to arsenal. A dump. That's right. It's a supply dump. <laughs> My God, we should make a chart. We should make a chart on that stockpile. Arsenal. 
Armory. Depot. Dump. <laughs> oh, oh, you guys are killing me. Logistical supply area. LSA. <laughs> oh, my God. That is so funny. Uh, well, I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing, but this is, I mean, you know, we laugh at it, but this is the thing. I mean, that's what the news media portrays it as. It's a stockpile. It's an arsenal. I mean, a thousand rounds is nothing. I mean, when you can go and shoot 200 rounds in an afternoon, that is absolutely I mean, that's absolutely nothing when you could shoot 200 rounds in an afternoon, right? I mean, that makes no sense whatsoever. Okay. Um, uh, I got to do something here real quick. Um, uh, Right here. Okay. Okay, here we go. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Like and share this show. Like and share this video. Let's get into it. Let's do this thing. Thanks for being part of it today. Well, you know what I'm talking about now. Yep, talking about the movies. Bringing me to it for the weekend is the one, the only, the man, the myth, the legend, Willie Waffle. Hello, my friend. How, how are you doing today? I'm feeling pretty good. It is the start of the summer movie season. It officially begins this week, and uh, people are heading out to the movies. I, uh, I was there myself last night, and uh, it was a full, full crowd for oh. Doctor Strange. Was it really a full crowd? Surprising. Surprising. Yeah. Okay. I, I think, uh, well, you know, and, and this is these are the types of movies that are going to get full crowds. You know, young people, uh, you know, let's be honest. We, we've seen since since uh, COVID, the people who want to go to the movies tend to be about 12 to 34, and they want the big blockbusters. They're going to see Doctor Strange. Right. They're going to see Spider-Man. They might see Top Gun. We'll see. Okay. Well, I'm 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 down with that. I'm okay with that. I, you know, I haven't seen a movie in almost three years uh, at the theater. I've watched lots of movies, just not at the theater. So I'm okay with that. I'm uh, I'm I'm down. I, I think we can figure it out. Uh, so where do you want to start? I mean, you just went and watched Doctor Strange, but I know we got some we got some entertainment news. How about uh, the people? Uh, looks like Chris Rock, man. That guy needs to get himself a good dentist, apparently. <laughs> well, it's it, Dave Chappelle took a big beating. This or Dave week. Chappelle, not Chris Rock. I'm sorry, Dave Chappelle. That's right. Yep. So Dave Chappelle was uh, doing was performing at a Netflix event at the Hollywood Bowl. It was uh, featuring many comedians who have specials on Netflix. And I, you know, for lack of a better term, some crazy dude jumped up on the stage and tackled him. And uh, what was the reason for that? I mean, what the heck? We don't know. Uh, you know, the the you know Dave Chappelle instantly joked that you know it must be somebody trans 
And um, there, there is a theory out there that this is somebody who is upset with uh, Dave Chappelle and and uh, what he feels are, are inappropriate statements about the LGBTQ community and, and trans people <laughs> and and some of the things that he talks about. Um, you know that that is not official uh, because this person also has um, some severe uh, mental illness and uh, by his own family's admission he has not been taking his medication and uh, he ran up on that stage and he tackled Dave Chappelle and it was a ta- it was like a football tackle wow. it was like he hit him straight in the middle of the gut and he had a knife that looked like a gun so it was like it was modeled after a gun and it was like a switchblade and the knife would come out well, security got a hold of the guy, and um, let's just say the picture that will live forever is that uh, when he was being taken to the ambulance, his arm was bending the other way. Oh, man. Yeah, well, I mean, you're not messing around. You're supposed to be protecting these guys. You already feel stupid because the guy got all the way up on stage. Yeah, you might overreact just a little bit. Yeah, well, but here's my favorite part. So. Chris Rock is there. He he works with Netflix. Right, and right. He ran he ran out on the stage. He wanted to make sure Dave Chappelle was okay. Yo, Dave Chappelle's standing up. He's feeling okay. It's obvious everything's okay. Chris Rock takes the microphone and he says, "Was that Will Smith?" Oh man. Oh <laughs> man. Yeah, I saw a quote from uh, I saw a quote from uh, Howie Mandel who said, "This is the beginning of the end for comics." And I'm just like, mm. I, yeah, I mean, I look, yeah, I wouldn't go that far. I think that, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a crazy, it's a crazy set of circumstances that came together in a very short period of time. I mean, you know, I don't think we're ever going to see another actor at the Oscars slap a comedian. Uh, you know, we've, we've had people run on stages before that that's not something new. I mean, that happens, you know, to rock stars, it happens to comedians. Uh, so, you know, I, I wouldn't go so far as to say it's the end of comedy, right. uh, plus Plus, because, you know, we really don't know what the guy's true motivation was. And it seems right. like most of his motivation was he has trouble. He yeah, has trouble. he's mental. So that uh, that's yeah. expected. All right. Well, maybe it just means that the the, the big time comedians are going to have to have big mosh pit security right up against the edge of the stage all night. So um, we'll, we'll see what happens with that. Um, all right. Well, let's talk about something that I really don't care about, which is the network rankings for television. Uh, now, full disclosure, I haven't watched network television in 15 years. Uh, it's really been that long. I had cable, and there may have been some network shows on there, but I really didn't watch. I mean, since the streaming, I mean, I'm watching shows that are made by CBS and, and Fox and Paramount, but I'm watching them through the streaming service. I'm not watching them on television. What does this ranking cover, and what does it tell us? So it tells you which networks were the most watched based on their average number of primetime viewers. Okay, so we're CBS talking, was we're talking yep. live live TV, live TV. Okay, so CBS was number one for the fourteenth straight season. Now, how many people do you think is the average number of viewers that they have in primetime at any any night? Primetime nationwide, anytime, any night, um, three million people. Wow, you were you were a lot lower than I thought you would go. Six point three five million. Six point three five. Okay, I was I didn't which want to, to me seemed it. pretty low. Yeah, no, I mean I would think that it would be higher than that, but I, the more I think about this and the cutting the cord and the more reading I do, I sent you that article the other day that was talking yep. about some of this stuff, and I'm just like, wow, man, I don't know, I don't know, you know, the the, the paradigm is shifting, and network television doesn't it it doesn't have an outlet to change with it. 
No, but you know, I think what you're seeing is they're all going into the streaming, like you said. I mean, every one of the networks has some sort of streaming right now, uh, and they're and they're using it more and more. You know, like you said, CBS, the number one network. Well, they've got Paramount Plus. What are they putting out there? Some pretty heavy duty stuff. Star Trek, um, you know, Star Trek stuff. Yellowstone. They had their Godfather yep. series. Yep. yep. Uh, you know, they, they've got other stuff coming. Uh, you know, NBC has the Peacock. They're number they're number two, and they were number one with adults eighteen to forty. So as I'm working through the list, this is my favorite. So I'll just go through the list. Wait until you hear this. Fox is third. ABC is fourth. Univision is number five. Telemundo is sixth. And in seventh and last place, the CW averaging <laughs> 655,000 people a night. Oh, those poor guys. I mean, used to be the WB. Now it's a CW. Now it's this. Now it's that. Oh, well. I mean, you know, uh, I did download their app on the stream, and it was pretty wonky and useless, so I just deleted it. But that's too bad. I mean, it, it is what it is. Like I said, I think change, things are changing so fast. And I think here's the thing. It's the on-demand thing. I do not like yeah. to wait. I do not want to wait. I do not want to have – if I want to binge watch one show or five shows, I want to be able to do it. One episode or five episodes, I want to be able to do it. And I think that's where more and more of us are going because our time is valuable and we're – you know, I don't want to have to block – oh, i got to get home to watch my to watch my soaps or whatever. I mean, that's just insane. It should be on my time. I, I think that there will be a slice of the population that always watches broadcast TV, but I think it's going to continue to, to diminish. Well, and and I'll, I'm surprised though. You know, when we talk about you know binging and watching on the streams, Netflix is really the only one that does that. Yeah, well, it's true because there's some of the some of them don't drop all the episodes. Some of them do, some of them don't. But just stop, stop with the weekly <laughs> dribble. That's all I'm saying. Stop with the weekly dribble. I can't take it anymore. Um, all right, uh, we got time for maybe one more story. Uh, unless you're, I, we actually, we, let's actually let's jump into the streams. Uh, let's do it because we've only let's do it. we've only got about six minutes here. So um, we've got Doctor Strange, the Pentaveret, and Bosch Legacy, uh, which all three of them, I I can't wait to t- talk to me about it. Well, and I know you're excited about Bosch Legacy. We're going to start oh, there on Amazon yeah, Prime. I love it. And 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 this is where I'm going to say to you. And this is a moment I've been waiting to say to you. I, uh, I've seen the first episode. <laughs> he finally watched the first episode <laughs> of Bosch. Good the, for you. No, the new series, oh, Bosch new... Legacy, oh, you did. which is available starting today. Oh, okay. Well, I hate you. I when... got to watch it a few days ago. Oh, now I really hate you. But you haven't watched a single <laughs> episode of Bosch, so you're totally no, lost. No, so I think I lost a lot of the nuance yeah. here. Yeah. <laughs> so, but, you know, it really, it's, it's about Bosch's life now that he's left the police force. He's working as a private investigator. He's still supporting his daughter, who now has become an LAPD uh, officer. She's you know in training right now. And, uh, and I guess this is a big deal. He has now joined forces with Honey Chandler, played by Mimi Rogers. Yeah, who was his nemesis in like the first three seasons of the show, because uh, she was just a nasty, nasty lawyer. But later on, he they ended up working together on some other things. So I'm excited about this. Titus Wellever is an amazing actor. This show good. is one of the best shows, uh, especially police shows that I've ever seen. I really enjoyed it. Five or six seasons of whatever it was. I can't wait to dive into this. I'm glad that you told me about this because I know what I'm watching this weekend. 
Oh yeah, and and I think it's actually pretty interesting. You know where where they're going with Bosch. You know now he he's he's out there. He's not a cop anymore, but he's still using those skills and he's still using those connections. And uh, he he has now taken on a case that he's starting to realize is a lot deeper and more dangerous than it appeared on the surface. So what do you think, negative one to four waffles, with just one episode under your belt there? you At one episode right now, I'm at three waffles. I'm thinking this is pretty good. Uh, well, see, now you got to go back and watch five, six, six seasons of Bosch <laughs> itself. It's a, All right. Um, what else we got? Pentaveret. Uh, Mike Myers is at it again. The man of many faces, voices, and ideas. Well, I don't know about ideas anymore. Oh! Ah, ooh, I, I oh. just... Oh, you know, I, you know, hey, I'm a Mike Myers guy. I loved Austin Powers. I loved him on Saturday Night Live. I loved Wayne's World. You know, this one is starting to strain a little bit. So the idea behind the Pentaver, this is the new Netflix series that he has. He plays a Canadian journalist, kind of the lovable old guy who does the, the guy on the street things and goes to the festivals and everybody thinks he's just adorable. But uh, he needs to get a big story to keep his job. And he starts chasing after a story that's been told by conspiracy people for years. The story of the Pentaveret, a group of five people who have been secretly ruling the world from behind the scenes. And it turns out they're real and they're inducting a new member played by Michael Keegan key or, or Keegan, Michael key, pardon me, yeah. Keegan, Michael key. I saw the trailer for this and I was like, well, that's, it looks funny, but I mean, how does it yeah. play out? How does it play out? Is it just painful? It's kind of painful. I mean, you know, it's Mike Myers playing every every character he can think of, and and sometimes he hits, and sometimes they're not very interesting, and and he's throwing a ton of jokes out there, and some of them hit, and a lot of them are just crud, and and there's a lot of potty humor in here that really just doesn't seem to fit. It really just feels like a throwback, and and I think that's the biggest thing that I can say about the Pentaveret. It feels like a throwback to comedy that was much more popular twenty to twenty five years ago. I don't know if Mike Myers has kept up with what people want today mm, that's too bad i will tell you my favorite mike myers movie out of all of them is uh called so i married an axe murderer yes, uh, yes that is probably one of the most hysterical movies i'll watch that occasionally now and then just because it's so good it was before he got huge and it was just it's just a great movie so all right the pentaveret negative one to four waffles we're sitting at one waffle right now ow 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 okay Big movie in the theaters. You said you had a whole bunch of people in there with you. Doctor Strange, the Multiverse of Madness, two and a half minutes, go. All right, so I'm going to start off by saying, if you go see it in 3D, one of the trailers is for the new Avatar movie coming out in December, <laughs> and there was literally no reaction by people. It's going to tank. Okay, oh. let's talk about Doctor Strange. Okay. Doctor Strange. So we we find out that you know he he is he is messing around with the multiverse again and a young girl has emerged who has the power to jump from one universe to the other which is kind of a big deal and somebody has found out and wants to use that to control her and i'm just going to tell you right now it's wanda wanda <laughs> wants to use that power to go to a universe where she can have her children and Doctor Strange has to stop her because she's gone insane. Oh man! Okay, and I know that his uh, old sidekick has come back—the one that he that walked away from him in the last Doctor Strange movie and said, "I'm going to stop you," um, yeah. Mordo or whatever his name was. Anyway, yep. uh, I mean, it, it looked great for the trailers that I've seen, and I loved Doctor Strange. I thought it was a great movie, great concept. I've always loved that character. Uh, how did it work for you? Yeah, you know, I think Benedict Cumberbatch is awesome. I mean, you know, he he is very funny. He is a great leading man. 
Batman. There are moments where they let him really show what an actor he is, getting really deep into what's happening on the screen. So that's always fun to watch. The special effects are really cool, but it just feels like a movie where we're just running from one fight scene to the next fight scene and one action scene to the next action scene. And and I just I feel like I feel like Marvel is running out of steam. I feel like, you know, they're now putting out movies because we just got to keep the franchise going. I don't know what the what the whole point of it is anymore. I don't know what the, what the direction of it is anymore other than, hey, go watch Doctor Strange so we can make eight hundred million dollars. Well, that's too bad. I mean, because Doctor Strange really came in at the very tail end of the last phase, and so maybe yeah. they can stretch it in, and maybe they maybe we just need to see more. I don't know. Uh, I am looking forward to seeing it. I'll probably wait till it hits the streams. Uh, negative one to four waffles. Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. What say you? Two and a half waffles, but I really do like some of the big surprises that we got throughout the movie. Okay. All right. Willy Waffle. WaffleMovie.com. My friend, thank you so much. Don't let anybody charge you on stage and drag you down. No, absolutely not. I mean, unless Chris Rock is there to defend me. Exactly. <laughs> Was that Will Smith? Uh, all right. Thank you, my <laughs> friend. I appreciate it. Folks, we're out of time. Monday, I'm going to have a weekend, and you are too. You're going to enjoy it, and we will see you back here bright and early. Have a great one. Okay, uh, quick quick uh, confession here, Willie. Um, I actually, this last weekend, I got a chance to watch, um, not, was it this last week? Anyway, The Batman. Ah, oh, The Batman. Let me yes. tell you, here's what was interesting. I watched The Batman, and I was like, dang, that was, that was surprisingly good. I mean, that was good. And then... My because a couple of my kids hadn't seen the Batman Begins, the beginning of the Chris Nolan trilogy, mm-hmm. uh, which was up until that point my favorite Batman movie. Uh, I went and watched that, and I thought, I mean, just the, watching them side by side, it was so interesting. You know, the biggest thing about the Batman is that really, it's not a superhero movie. It's, no, it's a not mystery. At all. It's a detect. It's a mystery. It's like a detective mystery. And, yeah, and I found that to be wanted. fascinating. Yeah. 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 And and I think that it really gets better in the second half. Like, I felt like the first half, yeah, they're laying down some stuff. They're establishing some stuff. They're giving you some hints about the mystery that's at play. But I thought, like, once they got to the halfway point, that last half of the Batman was pretty good. That that yeah. justifies making another one. Yeah, no, I and I really do. I like the realness of it. Um, I mean, you know, let's face it. When you watched... When you watched uh, Two Face and Riddler and some of these others, you know Jim Carrey and all, it was yeah, just, the more cartoonish. It was cartoonish, yeah. you know, and it wasn't. I mean, that was the that was the cool thing about Batman Begins and the Nolan trilogy is that it was more gritty and more real. Um, but this this one was like it it almost split the difference between say Batman Begins and the uh, Joaquin Phoenix Joker. You know what I mean? It's like real yeah. life kind of thing, and uh, I really. I really enjoy, and and the thing is, it was one of those movies where I said, "Oh, I like that," and then the next day I was like, 
man, I really like that. It was, yeah, I'm still I like thinking it more than it. I realized. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I keep thinking about it, and it was so good. It was so, I mean, it's so good uh, coming back to it. Um, so anyway, it, uh, my recommendation, I mean, to me, that was a three, a three and a half waffle movie. It was really, oh, really nice. good. Um, well, and you're going to get another one, and you're going to get the Penguin series on HBO Max. I cannot believe that that was Colin Farrell. I mean, I know my mind was just what? How are they? You know, because sometimes like Mike Myers in a fat suit looks. You, know, you can like tell, right? <laughs> this I could not even. If you had told me that that was Colin Farrell, I would have said no. But it was no. amazing. It was fantastic. I, you know, Colin Farrell just keeps proving he's more than just a pretty boy. This guy's a real actor. You know, not only does he not look like him, he doesn't sound like him. He doesn't act like him. You have no idea that Colin Farrell's there. Yeah. You just don't. No, it's a, it's a great movie. Uh, my second uh, thing I'll be, I, I've been binging it. Um, my father recommended it. I'd heard good about it. And I've been watching uh, David Boreanaz in SEAL Team. Oh, um, yeah. Which uh, also a very good if you're a fan of military uh, stuff and, and things like that, uh, it does. You know, sometimes it does draw a little bit away from reality. But overall, really good show. I've been enjoying that. I'm almost done with all five seasons uh, and uh, been watching it for the last three, two or three months. Uh, but really a good show. So that's definitely another three. I think a three waffler for me. So cool. anyway, um, what are we hitting next week real quick? Well, next week, Firestarter on Peacock. And uh, I'm going to throw out to you, I really thought this true story is amazing. The Staircase on HBO Max. Um, it, it is it is a true story. This is a, a re- this is basically a reenactment uh, with Tony Collette. Uh, a woman is appears to be murdered by her husband in their home, and he fights for his innocence. And you would think that this guy is guilty as guilty as guilty gets until some of the evidence comes out. Okay. All right. Well... You do love yourself some real true crime stuff, so we'll uh, we'll let you fly on that one. All right, my friend. Well, uh, as always, it is a pleasure to deal with you and talk with you, and uh, we'll see you next week. You, tell me you'll watch at least. Tell me you'll watch the first episode of season one of Bosch. Just tell me that. Okay, I'll do that. One episode. That's all I ask. One episode. I think I can handle that. Yeah, just watch one episode and then report back to us next week. Okay. All right. You got it. You're my friend. Thank you so much. I hope you have a fantastic weekend. As always, I uh, love talking to you. We'll see you next weekend. See you then. Folks, out of time. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio.
We've shed our terrestrial radio skin, and now we are slimy lizard internet people. It's the Michael Duke Show.